You know, one of the things that we, I just want to recap for us why this is important um, to share with us why, why are we spending Sunday mornings talking about relationships versus uh, digging deep into great theological mysteries and unraveling this? This is why this actually is a theological component. And I want to I take you back to the scriptures of Jesus when he's sitting with his disciples. It's the Last Supper, and he's giving his, uh, his, his exit speech to his disciples, and I'm leaving. And he's explaining to them how he's leaving and, and what he wants them to do. I think of uh, myself in meetings sometimes when uh, I'm having a meeting with someone and we've talked a lot about different things. And before the meeting closes, I like to recap saying, okay, this, this is what we talked about. This is what I want you to remember. This is what I need you to do. Or, or this is the important principles. I kind of bullet point them, right? As, as a closing to the, to the time we're meeting together. Well, Jesus is doing this in John 13, verses 33 through uh, 35. He says, Little children, yet a little uh, while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so I say to you also, where I'm going, you can't come. Basically, Jesus is saying, peace out. <clears throat> a new commandment I give to you. He's saying, now pay attention, because this is a commandment. This isn't a suggestion. But this, this sums up what's important for you to continue walking in while I'm gone. I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to babysit you. I'm leaving, okay? So it, I need you to remember this one thing while I'm gone. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now, this is, this is why he's telling them this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, we've talked about this at church, and we, we, we've said it before, love is such an overused word that it's, it's lost its potency when we just say the word love. But do you understand what he's talking about here is a love that, that blasts out. It's a love that communicates something really great. It's a love that, that is a branding, it's a, it's a trademark kind of love. It distinguishes uh, you from the rest of the world. This isn't some kind of surfacey love, like when you greet someone, you pretend to be nice and cheery, but really you're in a bad mood that day, and so you walk away from it, be, be, uh, continuing to be a jerk to the rest of the people you're around all day. I've, I've done it. Uh, you know, maybe some of you aren't, aren't uh, too ashamed to admit it. That surfacey kind of love, that it's our good Christian duty to, to be smile and happy, but when people really get to know you, they see your true colors. That's not the love we're talking about. We're talking about a deep-to-the-bone kind of love. And this kind of love doesn't happen naturally. If it did happen naturally, Jesus wouldn't have stressed this point so much. Saying, listen, guys, it's important for you to get this thing right. 
Because they're going to know you by something. And if they're going to see my face on you, I want them to know, I want them to know you by your love for one another. This doesn't happen naturally. It happens with effort. It happens with grinding. It happens with refinement. It happens with walking hand in hand with God. It happens being real with yourself. It happens being humble. So why are we talking about these relational tools? So we can live happier lives? Sure. You know what? But the real important uh, element is, is because it's a commandment that's been given to us. And it's a commandment that we long to fill out of our love relationship with Jesus. So we on the same page? Does that make sense? Why we're talking about this stuff. Why we're talking about this, uh, how to live, you know, how to fight fair. And what does this have to do with scripture? This has everything to do with scripture. You know, Paul's writings to his church were often talked about how to just simply get along with one another. This stuff is important stuff. So, with no further ado, today we're going to talk about um, a relational tool. It's a tool called responding versus reacting in conflict. In another sense, how to fight fair. That you're not throwing punches below the belt. So to recap from last week, we talked about connection and disconnection. And I don't know if you remember the Tony Danza slide, uh, if you were here last week. But we talked about being your own boss. We talked about um, uh, that you are in control of you. And everyone else is in control of everyone else. And that's their responsibility. And your responsibility is to be in control of you. So I had that John slide, but I want to look to James chapter 1, 19 and 20. It says, you know, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Notice, we, we know in Scripture that uh, the Scripture talks about anger is not being a sin, but it's something that uh, the Bible says, hey, we need to get control of this. We need to have healthy reactions to anger. You know, the Scripture says, hey, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. He's saying, look, when you have, when you have anger and frustration, you need to get control of that real quick. Because without control in your anger, even if it is, even if you consider it being a righteous anger, without control in your anger, you're quick to make a mistake. You're quick to sin. You're quick to grieve a brother or a sister in the Lord. You're quick to offend a a loved one or a relative, or you're quick to offend someone you don't like that much even. The reality is, is none of these things are good things. None of these things are refining things. So the point is, is that we're going to talk about uh, this element of anger or frustration or, or irritation or things that would cause uh, a fight, a feud, a difference between uh, two people. We're going to talk about uh, what it means to be in control, 
being your own CEO of your own life, not the CEO, not controlling or manipulating others, but saying, how am I going to approach this situation? Saying, I am not responsible for how they handle themselves. I'm only responsible for how I handle myself. And can I walk away from a situation knowing that I did everything in my power to do the right thing? The right thing isn't always to win, right? That's where we get messed up. The right thing isn't always to win. Well, with that, Sarah, you want to talk about the roots? Yeah, so um, first of all, last week we talked about um, how self-control isn't just keeping yourself from going into the cookie jar, right? But it's actually not letting external circumstances or pressures control you. Rather, you are making decisions out of your own will, not being controlled by those external things. So when we talk about anger, um, you know, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, am I in control of my anger or is my anger controlling me, right? And so we need to really pay attention when we get angry. Like George said, anger isn't in and of itself wrong, but what we do um, with it or how it affects us is where the sin can come in, right? And we need to be looking at it as if we are the CEO of the anger, not that the anger is the CEO of us, right? Okay, so um, as George just alluded to, the point that I would like to make is that um, sometimes we get angry, like a situation will just trigger something, and we kind of like are dealing with the surface thing that's going on, but we need to really um, look at what the root is of that, because it's not um, always really just whatever has triggered you. There's, there's usually something deeper that um, has attributed to that anger. I don't know if that bears witness or makes sense, but if it's okay with you, I'm going to just be a little vulnerable for a minute, right? Okay, so uh, as George said last week, I think uh, he said that we're professional fighters. <laughs> we are. Not MMA either. <laughs> so uh, we've been practicing this for 10 years or so. And, um, well, yesterday was no exception. <laughs> and um, we uh, found ourselves, well, I found myself, I'll just be honest, this is the thing I was working out. So um, our girls came in and they approached George and they were having a dispute over something. So I'm also going to pull up one of those parenting minutes in here. So it's going to be a two for one right here. <laughs> okay. So um, the girls are disputing about something and they come to George and George is starting to work through it. And I'm listening, and I'm thinking, I have a perspective on this based on yesterday that I would like to um, bring into the situation. But here's the problem, and here's the parenting moment. What I feel like I have, I'm concerned that it's going to look like I'm contradicting him. And as parents, it's really important for us to be on the same page when we're communicating to our kids. Because if they see us disagreeing about everything, they're going to try to figure out who's the one that's right and who's not. And and um, I mean, just being honest, this is something that I'm really trying to work toward because my tendency uh, would actually be to just say what I'm thinking. And, you know, our kids are getting older and I'm thinking I really want to work toward um, us having those private conversations and being on the same page so that they see that unity and they don't try to play sides or manipulate, right? Because I mean, kids, kids are crafty at that. They are. And uh, we don't want to give them a foothold for that because that could really actually set them up for 
a life of that division, right? So anyway, so I'm thinking to myself, oh, I want to talk to him right now. I don't want to override what he's saying in front of them, but he's about to make a decision on this. And so I'm kind of standing back. They're right here, and I'm standing back, and, and I'm going, I'm like trying to signal to George, and he's looking at me like I'm crazy, and he continues just to work through this thing. And before we know it, he's, he's come to his conclusion. And I'm like, mm, I got so mad. I'm like, I was just flagging you down. And so the girls go to the other room, and he's handled the thing. And I'm like, what? Did you see me, like, flagging you down? I'm he's thinking like, she's yeah, saying, we're number one. We're number one. I'm like. He's like, yeah, you looked all crazy. What was the deal? I'm like, oh. And I, I did. Like, I started off not really great. But I'm trying really hard to, like, get all these things in place that we're about to preach about tomorrow. So I'm like. I came a little intense. I did. Okay, but then I, I, I got myself together, and I was like, why do I feel this way? And I realized there's this root, okay? And George says, just go ahead and tell him. It's all right. So we're going to use this, and I have permission for this. I get very frustrated because um, in our relationship, we've, we've really come a long way, and I feel like we have really excellent verbal communication. We communicate a lot, and we communicate well, and even when we're in disputes, we work our way through it. We've had hard seasons. Some have been easier, but we have always gotten through, and it's really awesome, and I feel pretty good about that. But we do not have good nonverbal communication. We just don't. And I realized I have this expectation and hope that we could have a nonverbal language, especially when we're in public with people. And it never works the way that I want it. And I, I realized that this was like a tipping point of frustration for me. And it was a little bit more dramatic than it probably, it wasn't so much about the kids as it was about this thing. Because we'll be sitting, maybe we'll be at dinner with a couple or something like that. And I need to get his attention, but I'm, you know, still kind of like nudge him or kick him a little bit or whatever. And he'll say, what? Did you want to say something? What is it? (laughs) I really, really want a nonverbal language. Ow! What? That's my rib cage. But here's the thing I realized. As many times as that has happened, I've never, I've never initiated a follow-up conversation that says, can we come up with a strategy? Can we solve this problem? So over and over, I've felt frustrated, and I've actually felt kind of thrown under the bus a little bit, which I told you yesterday. And I was able to finally find the words, and I said, please, I know this doesn't come naturally to you to just read my nonverbal language, but can we work on it? And it's, this is how I feel when, um, when this kind of thing happens. I feel vulnerable because I'm wanting to tell you something privately. And that's what I felt when the thing was happening with the kids because I didn't want to override your parenting, but I wanted to maybe just say for a minute, can I just talk to you privately? And so 
actually, it turned out to be a pretty powerful moment in the end. I didn't start out real well, but I recovered. So, <laughs> But that's the important thing is, right, that you can get upset about something, but a lot of times there's a root, and you can actually, like, change the cycle of things by identifying that and really dealing with that versus the surface thing. Does that make sense? And in a real-life scenario, if you identify the root uh, in the middle of the dispute or the middle of the conversation, usually it's a really good to bring that conversation to an end and begin a separate one. Because as the receiver, you're like, wait, what are we talking about? I thought we were talking about our kids, and now we're talking about the restaurant that happened three months ago and all the other things. And I'm like scratching. So, that, so I mean, what would have been better, what I should have done is the minute they left, I just start, like, communicating with him. What I should have done is gone away and taken a minute to think through what I was going to say instead of just kind of, like, reacting. I really did react. And in the middle of it, I switched to respond. But ideally, and so, I'm, I mean, I'm sharing these principles and I know them, but it's, it is easier said than done, you know, because anger and emotions are real. But if we can have the tools and we know what we're working toward, you know, I feel like it was a win, even though I had to, I recalibrated in the middle of it. In the end, I ended well. But when I look at it now, I'm thinking next time, totally remove yourself and think through it because I could come in a more calm way and it, we wouldn't have had that reactive beginning. Yeah, so one of the important things, and this is me right here, this is yesterday, of course I'm listening, that's uh, me talking to Sarah, she's saying, are you listening to me? So, okay, we'll change that, you're too distracted. You know, one of the biggest things is people, uh, we get frustrated with a situation, Um, we get irritated with a friend, with someone we're in proximity with, a coworker, maybe someone that's not, not even a friend. And our instinct when we're dealing with something internally is to talk to someone so that we can deal with it externally, to communicate about it, to, you know, to, to say, I need, I need to vent this out. We know that uh, venting can often quickly turn into gossiping. We know that venting can also uh, quickly turn into, you know, you bringing someone in to your conflict, right? It actually, it actually what, what it does is when you're going to someone else and talking about the issues that you have with another person, is you're actually bringing an invitation to them to saying, here, I want you to be offended for me as well. Yeah, necessarily. It is. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that for a second. But sometimes you need a friend, that's true. But here's, here's the reality, though. We, we need to check our heart. And before, before we're venting to other people, we need to first be asking ourselves, I'm about to vent to this person. Did I even, did I even first bring this before the Lord? Did I vent this out through prayer? Did I really sit before God and say, God, um, I'm really having issues with this person? Just like you would say, I need someone to listen to my uh, grief. Because the Lord's perspective um, can be drastically different than anyone else's perspective. 
And we also know that the Lord is quick to forgive. We also know that the Lord uh, doesn't hold on to offense the way that someone else does. And when we bring our issues to other people in the heart and the spirit of, I'm frustrated with this person and I need to talk it through. We, are, we need to be careful with that because we are giving an invitation for others to carry our offense. Now, we might say, yes, you know, Jeff brought up this point saying, you know, sometimes we do need to talk it out. But here's the reality, and I've had to do this uh, from time to time, is I've vented with someone, and then I have to go back and, and do a follow-up and say, by the way, I've worked out my issue with them, uh, everything's cool, because I want to make sure that they're not carrying that offense. Well, I, I've dropped it a long time ago. And now they're walking around with an offense for me on my behalf for, for something that they've, that they've never had that connection with. So I've actually had to kind of go back through my relationships and say, you know what, I've vented in that situation. It may not have been a good one. I've, I, you know, it was a relief for me, but really I just spewed out onto that other person. And now they're, they're frustrated for, on my behalf. So... What does scripture have to say about it? We know that Jesus talks about these things. He says, hey, you know, when, when a brother has sinned against you in Matthew, um, Matthew 5, 23 20 through 25, he says, therefore, if you, oh, no, I'm sorry. Thank you, babe. Uh, 18, 15 through 16, he says, if your brother has sinned against you, go and show him his fault. I love this line. Just between the two of you. Uh, if you got your Bibles or your U version, underline that because that uh, Matthew eighteen fifteen through sixteen, he says, "If a brother has sinned against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you." That's key. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Notice that if he listens to you, are you listening? To- are, are, you, are you presenting yourself to be listened to? Or are, are you forcing someone? Are you in control of you, and are you expecting them to be in control of them? Or are you saying it away, saying, you're going to listen to me whether you like it or not? I'm going to control you. I'm going to talk to you so loud, so forcefully, that you don't got a choice. We have to say, are we, are we presenting ourselves with the ability to be listened to? If they listen to you, you have won your brother over. But if he's not willing, take one or two others along with you, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Then maybe it's time saying, you know what, I've had this this thing with this person, we've tried to work it out, it's not working out. Hey, would you you know, would you kind of hear this case? Would you kinda help mediate with this thing? Because, you know, obviously it's not working out with just the two of us. Here's the other principle that we need to understand. When someone has an offense with us, this is huge. Whether we're the, the one being offended or we're the one uh, producing the offense, being the offender, we have a responsibility. Even when you say, look, it wasn't my fault. I just said what I was thinking and it's their fault for being mad at me. You know what? Do you know what Jesus says? that we're actually still, we're still responsible for that. 
We're still, still responsible. Even, even with, the, with what we felt was the right thing to do, we produced offense. And Jesus is talking about, in Matthew 5, he says, look, when, when you've offended a brother, and you're at the altar, and you remember that offense, you're bringing your gift to the Lord, put that gift down. And go and make right with that person. Do you know that there's spiritual progress that you're not going to be able to make in your life until you've gone back and you've said, you know what, there were some errors and I corrected some mistakes and now I can move forward because God's about progress and he wants to receive your gift from pure hands and a pure heart. He's saying, look, hey, before you give me that stinky gift, go fix that situation, clean that up and then bring it to me. I'd love, I'd love it here's the thing, we're not, we're not perfect at this. You know, I love that there's grace in this. I love that Jesus talks with a heart of grace, saying, look, if you've offended someone, we're not, we're not focusing on the offense, we're focusing on making it right. He's saying, you can still bring your gift to the Lord. Just be, be concerned about that. I realize that um, sometimes there's not time or place to fix a mistake. You know, sometimes uh, with, with Sarah and I, uh, things get heated. And I even know that I'm wrong, but I'm not in a good place to go back and make, uh, make amends. Sometimes I need to think about it. Sometimes I need to get spiritual perspective on it. But you know what? We need to never take it off of our to-do list. We need to never take it off our radar saying, you know what? I'm just going to let time heal that wound. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really hope hope for the best in forgiveness and, and come back and bridge that gap some other time when it happens naturally. You know, we need to keep that on our to-do list. We need to keep it on our prayer list. We need to be listening for the Lord and saying, how do we repair that? I want to tell you a little story, and this is a, another totally vulnerable story. Um, uh, someone really close to me uh, came to me, this was even this year, uh, and talked to me, confronted me, about uh, some of the ways that I, I interact with people. You know, I'm a very analytical person. I'm a very critical person. I love to take something and think of ways to make it better, right? So if someone's working on a project and they're working and they're working, I'll come in and I'll say, oh, wouldn't it be great to do this? Wouldn't it make it so much better if you just did this and that and that? And they're like, I've been working three days on this and you're telling me everything how it could be better. Basically, you're just basically telling me it sucks. Oh, we're not, it stinks. Are we allowed to say stinks? Stinks is okay. <clears throat> I, you know what? I didn't really have a good mirror to myself that how, how I was hurting other people until, until a good brother in the Lord came in, in, in just such a tactful way came and said, you know, um, you've offended me a lot by doing this and uh, you've offended other people and in a very gentle way. And it, it sounds like an extremely hard conversation to have. This person handled it so well, I was able to receive and, and the conviction that I felt from the Lord. And, uh, I asked, I said, who, who have I offended? And this person told me, told me, told me exact situations dating back over five years ago 
told me situations of how I've offended people. And you know what? It was uh, super hard, not hard saying I don't want to do this, but super emotional, hard emotionally, being, you know, feeling that conviction to go back and with, without just totally losing it emotionally to try to, to say, look, I've offended you and you've done such a great job at forgiving me, but I want you to know that I realize now that I made a mistake and I shouldn't have talked to you that way. I shouldn't have talked that way. I shouldn't have let you down that way. And it was such a healing experience for me. Um, And it also made me more aware of my ability, whether, you know, my heart is, I can say my heart is pure in the sense that my heart is never to hurt to walk in and point out all the bad things that it would hurt them. My heart is only to make things better. But the way that I went about it was so hurtful that it's it's made me say, you know what, I need to I need to be careful with that. But the point is, is that that um, when we know that we've offended someone, even if we don't think that we were in the wrong, that our motives were impure, we need to do our best to say, you know what. Um, I was doing this to get this outcome, but I realized that that wasn't the way to do it, and I am I am sorry. Okay, so the next thing in responding instead of reacting in conflict is that we need to be careful what we say, which we've kind of alluded to, but... Uh, Proverbs 29.20 says, There is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. And you probably know in the book of James it talks about how a tongue can start forest fires. Okay, so our tongues are so powerful what they can do. But our words can be like water or gas, right? Water can put out a fire, but gasoline is going to ignite it. And so um, just remember, as you're choosing your words, like you can never get those back. So words, you might be able to come back and, you know, make amends and, and try to reconcile and things, but the things that we speak can leave scars forever, and we can't get those back. So it's really good, um, if you've never done this before, to start preparing that the next time I'm in conflict, I'm going to be more intentional in my thought process before the words come out of my mouth. In this, um, what I've found is that even in the heat of the moment, we can hear Holy Spirit. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about hearing God's voice. And it's really hard in that moment because of the emotion And the emotion and all that, you know, anger and stuff like that really can be like the enemy trying to have the control. But you have the ability. You're a child of God. You have the ability to hear God's voice and navigate through it using the partnership of the Holy Spirit. But I know it's hard. For me, I was when I was working on this, I actually like had a, an envisionment of like the little cartoon, you know, where there's like the little demon on one shoulder and the little angel on the other shoulder. And that is totally how I feel when I'm in a conflict with someone. And I will actually like be ready to say something and I'll be thinking in my mind, that is so the wrong thing to say, but I want to say it so bad. <laughs> and I know if I say it, it's gonna I'm gonna regret it. But in the at the end, like am I going to do it or not? And sometimes I'm like, 
wait a second, who is in control here? <laughs> and um, we really, we have to make that decision, which voice that we're going to listen to. And you really can hear Holy Spirit, even in the middle of all of the emotion. Um, but it takes practice and it, has, it takes being intentional to be listening to what he says we should do, right? Okay, um, here's another thing in being careful what you say. Um, it's really um, tempting sometimes to dig up the past, but we need to stay on what the current issue is. So things that have already been forgiven and worked through, um, forgiveness means that we're forgiven and it's like in the past. Like you don't dig up things that have already been resolved and reconciled. And so forgiveness needs, the things that have been forgiven need to stay forgiven and just deal with the current issues. Okay. Now, um, here's another thing is that we have a tendency when we're trying to um, express to the other person what's frustrated us, we have a tendency to use accusation um, for our approach, and that doesn't usually go very well. At least it hasn't for me. I don't know if any of you have a good testimony about that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so let me me take the example that I used earlier about... um, the situation with the girls, and I, I'm proud to say that this is what I'm about to demonstrate is not how I handled it, but I'm going to give you a demonstration of what I could have done, and this is what not to do, okay? <laughs> oh my goodness! What is your problem? Did you not see that I was going like this? Every single time I try to do nonverbal communication with you, it's like you're completely clueless. Do you not get it, what I'm trying to say? This is ridiculous. Seriously. I feel you are so insensitive. You're so insensitive that you wouldn't see that I wanted to talk to you. You sound like you've had a lot of practice in that. (laughs) I might have thought those things, but I didn't say them. I didn't. At least not to that magnitude. No, when I recovered, this is what I did. Jesus, help me. <laughs> I think she did. I will do that. listen to the angel. <laughs> I will listen to the angel. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> George, when I'm trying to get your attention, like I just was with the girls, and you ignore it. It makes me feel like you're missing something really important that I'm trying to communicate. And, you know, I, I am a patient person. So I would have... <laughs> you guys don't believe that, do you? Thanks for calling me out. Thanks. I, I could have waited. I could have waited in line for my turn. If I was doing this... It wasn't because I just couldn't wait till you were done with the girls. It was because there was something important that I wanted to communicate. And, you know, this is making me think about situations where sometimes we're with other people and it's been the same scenario. And, and um, I feel like you're not being sensitive to what I'm trying to communicate, and I really long for that. I really have a desire that um, if you get a little hint from me, that we could have a private moment to talk about it. Um, it's just making me think of even at the restaurants, like when sometimes you'll say, hey, do you, do you, uh, you know, need something? 
I just have a real desire to have a kind of private communication language between us. And, and I feel like um, I need that in our relationship. That works better, I think. A plus. So. Good job. I was even feeling like, oh, let's hash this out right here. Let's just work through this. But the phrase, instead of saying, you never, you always, you're horrible at that. You know, we can address behaviors, but you can put it like, when you do this, this is how I feel. So then the focus isn't on them being so wrong, but you're drawing out how you feel. And then they have an invitation into your vulnerability to respond to how their actions have made you feel. And the emphasis is on how you feel versus how horrible they are. And he's not horrible. He's amazing. And I'm so thankful that we have good verbal communication. We're going to, next time we do a series, we're going to talk about how great we've overcome things and have great nonverbal communication. And we won't have any examples. We'll be like, we're going to be out of them. You You know, how we, how we uh, start a conversation is generally how the conversation will end. If it begins with accusation, uh, it's, it's typically going to stay in that framework. Uh, when we begin with, uh, with launching into the other person, the other person immediately has a choice, whether they're going to get hit in the face or they're going to defend themselves. You know, when, when you begin the conversation with, hey, this is how I'm feeling, um, the other person doesn't have to defend themselves. You know, they, they become their own CEO and decide whether they want to engage with that conversation or they're going to say, man, that stinks for you, you know, but, but you give them a choice. You, you create an empowering situation. You know, it's, it's this, it's the whole principle of you sow what you reap. When you go into a, a conflict and this, this is outside of even marriages. I mean, this, this is, I mean, our converse, this whole conversation can be any relationship that you have, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a family member or a spouse. You know, when you engage in manipulation, expect to receive manipulation. When you engage in uh, passive-aggressive behavior, expect to receive that. Expect that you're setting the boundaries of how you want to resolve the conflict. So if you're, if you're um, uh, beginning the scenario, the situation, with uh, being uh, aggressive or emotional, you can pretty much assure that you're going to get that back, and sometimes that can happen immediately. You know, the other things, talk about manipulation. Sometimes, sometimes if you address situations like that, it, it might happen. It might happen years later. You know, how do you, deal, you, how do you deal with a swindler? You swindle a swindler. You know, Jacob learned that lesson, right? He was crafty, right, uh, as in his teenage years, uh, duping his brother into giving him his birthright. Right? What happens later? His father-in-law says, I know, how, I know this guy sets the boundaries for how he wants to deal with things. This guy creates it when he, when he messes with my sheep and manipulates my sheep. Well, guess what? This is, how I'm, this, this is how he wants to be dealt with. It's the way he deals with other people. I'm going to give that back to him. It's not right, but we set the boundaries of how we want uh, people to interact with us, right? It's the very basic, you, sow, you, you reap what you sow. Yeah. So the next one, we're kind of talking about being careful what you say, but now let's talk about the other side of it, and that's being a good listener, right? So we have to listen with our mouths closed, 
you can't listen while you're talking. So Proverbs 18:13 says, "He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him." And again, the James that we've already read, no, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. When we interrupt each other, and it's a great temptation to do it, isn't it? But when we interrupt each other, it says, I don't care or want to hear what you have to say. But listening respectfully and patiently says, I care how you feel, and I'm trying to understand your perspective. Okay, and George pointed this out. Being right is not really the ultimate goal in our conflict. We want connection and understanding each other. If you care about the person, caring about what their perspective is should be the highest aim, not winning, right? Okay, here's another little thing. And I, I um, identified, there was a season where I, now looking back, I identified that this was a weakness of mine, just being honest. And I've been more intentional about this. But silence plus premeditating your next words is not the same as active listening. Okay? Like, maybe you sound like you're being totally respectful and listening. That's but called if loading your ammo. But if <laughs> That's you're called not reloading. Hearing, <laughs> if you're not hearing anything the person's saying because you're just planning what you're going to say next, that's not, that's not the way to win. <laughs> okay. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're going over, we, you know, there are things we've learned. There's some great resources out there that have put really great words to some of the things we've experienced. And one of the guys that we really like is Danny Silk. He's out in Redding, California. He says, love listens even through offense. Love listens even through offense. All right, when we're listening, we need to keep our mind open to the person. That means genuinely making the effort to identify their feelings, okay? Like, put yourself in their shoes. Remove yourself from your own shoes. Put yourself in their shoes, and what are they feeling? Why are they feeling the way that they are? And then also, listen for clues to your own shortcomings, because you'll, you'll catch those in the conversation, And if you want to grow in your relationship, you have to be okay with hearing that. That's really key. And so it's even a good exercise, I think, when you're removed from the conflict. Say you're just in a good season and, you know, you're talking to uh, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's parents, maybe it's um, coworker, whoever, you know, you have that close relationship with, but conflict tends to recur. Um, it's a really great idea when you're not in a season of conflict to say, hey, can we have a conversation about our fights? And we've done this, and we say, uh, can you tell me when we're disagreeing, what's my biggest weakness in our arguments? I did it. <clears throat> he says, you get really intense. <laughs> And that's really hard. And it's really that thing, right? Like he just said, you reap whatever you sow. And, you know, we can trace back. And I know that this was my greatest weakness 10 years ago. And I think I've come a long way in that. But it's still something that I'm trying to overcome is like is being the CEO of my emotions in the middle of a conflict. And so I was thankful for his honesty. And that's something I want to work on. You know, if you don't humble yourself, God will do it. 
He'll do it for you. So let's be proactive in figuring out what our weaknesses and, and be real in our relationships. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. That's Matthew 23, 12. And I don't, I don't like it when God does the humbling. I've experienced that, and it's not fun. It's much better to do it this way. And you know what? I think it builds trust. When you're vulnerable and you're like, I want to know, there's something in that that just builds you know, a bond, a deeper bond with that person. So, Yep. I asked the question too, and mine was that my body language speaks that I'm not listening. That's not good. That means that I'm being too transparent and she can read right through me. I'm just kidding. That means that I'm not listening. <clears throat> the other thing that we need to do, and this, uh, this is the last point, but um, really it needs to be the first point. Um, we need to go into any conflict. Uh, we need to have a resolve in ourselves even before we have conflict that we're going to forgive. Amen. And that we're going to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes harder than forgiving. Admitting that we're wrong is sometimes harder than relinquishing offense for some people. For me, for me, it, it can be just as big of a battle. I, I would actually say that that I'm I'm quicker to forgive than I'm quicker to admit that I was wrong. You know, de, uh, apologies are an art form. You know, there's the wrong way to apologize. Do you know if you say I'm really sorry that uh, the truth hurt you? Do you know that's, that's not an apology? There's this uh, famous baseball player. His name was Pete Rose. And he, um, he was notorious for uh, gambling and betting. And oftentimes he would bet even against his own team, um, which is highly illegal. Um, and, well, he got busted for it, and he was banned from ever playing baseball professionally again. He was banned um, from the Hall of Fame. Well, Pete Rose, uh, this was his apology. I'm going to scroll through here. Pete Rose uh, wrote on a baseball, I'm sorry I bet on baseball, and then began selling them on his website for $299. <laughs> There's a wrong way to apologize uh, when you're profiting personal gain from apology, that's the wrong way to apologize. But um, that's just a, a, a fun thing that we can take into. Th- when, we, when we're saying we're sorry, are we just saying, look, hey, I'm sorry? Or are we owning up to what we did? I'm sorry that the way that I communicated with you was harsh and abrasive. And I admit that what I did was wrong. The worst thing that you can do is follow up a really great apology with the word but. That's a bad idea. Don't, don't make a, what's it, when you put two sentences together, conjunction, is that the right term? Don't make a, a conjunction sentence ever in an apology. Just end it. And you can deal with the but in a later conversation. You know what? You can apologize and end the conversation at a later time saying, hey, you know, uh, what I did was wrong, and I, but I want you to know that, that like, some of the things made me feel this way. You, you know, make sure that your apologies are, are pure-hearted and that the message is not confused with anything else. 
Well, with, the, with that, do you think that we've learned any good tips? I know just Sarah and I, uh, th- thank you. I know Sarah and I planning and preparing this message um, was good because it, it, it brushed off some of our tips. And it, it also, uh, as we work through these, we integrate them more into our own life. You know, our conflict yesterday that we got to use as an example was, was a great uh, time to really rehash and say, how could we have done that better? That is such a good, uh, good thing to, to do, to reflect on conflicts with anyone, whether it's a, a boss or a coworker or a family member, to say, what could I have done differently? It's easy to say, what could they have done differently? But you start off by saying, what could I have done differently? So let's just pray into this as we close today. God, we thank you um, for tools and tips. God, we thank you that we live in uh, an environment where Uh, forgiveness is a key ingredient, God. Lord, we never want to take advantage of it, but God, we're so thankful that it's there. We're so thankful for mercy and grace, and we're so thankful, Jesus. When you talked about leaving your gift at the altar, you didn't spank us and say how dumb we were for creating an offense. You said, look, just go make it right. Go make it right, and I will gladly receive a gift from you. God, I thank you that you don't say, look, you're, don't bring a stinky gift before me. I don't want that crap. You messed up. Get out of here. God, I thank you that uh, you have built in our faith a mechanism of asking for forgiveness and forgiving others. God, I pray that we as believers would flick that switch on. That we would say we are committed to only sow what we're willing to reap and to always forgive and ask for forgiveness of those around us. Lord, we want to be committed to being slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. God, would you convict us with your Holy Spirit when we fail to do those things? God, because we want the world around us to recognize that we have walked with you by the way that we love everyone around us. We thank you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.